You are listening to ACPN. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. This is your host, Russ Burlingame, and happy Halloween! I've got something kind of special for you to mark the occasion, which is a brief interview with Dana Gould. Dana is the creator and executive producer of Stand Against Evil, an IFC series that stars John C. McGinley and Janet Varney. In the show, McGinley plays Stan, who uh, used to be the sheriff of a small town. After his wife passed away, he discovered that uh, he was the subject of a curse. Well, not him specifically, but all law enforcement in Willard's Mill. And the only reason he was still alive was because his wife had been secretly battling demons on his behalf for years. He teams up with Evie Barrett, who is the incoming sheriff, uh, Varney. And the two of them have to essentially cobble together layman's versions of the advanced demon fighting that his wife used to do. It's a lot of fun. It's one of the most underrated shows on TV, and uh, I'm, I'm covering it a lot more this year than I was last year. This conversation is actually only a portion of what Gould and I spoke about. Uh, we, we got together. I've seen all eight episodes of the third season, which I think is really, really a great season of TV. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. It airs on Thursday or on Wednesdays, excuse me, at 10 o'clock, and it's uh, a half an hour kind of horror comedy show. So it's not going to take a bunch of time out of your schedule. But uh, I, I have seen all eight. I spoke with Gould about essentially the whole season, and then I've cut out everything that would be spoilery for the people who haven't seen the two that are airing tonight. So if you haven't watched the two that are airing tonight yet, please come back after you have, but uh, if you have seen them and you want a little bit of uh, additional input or a little bit of context for what's going on in the rest of the season, please enjoy my interview with Dana Gould, and uh, we'll be back very soon with uh, a more regularly scheduled episode of Emerald City Video. I think that this season to me was, it, it feels like you guys leveled up again. Like, it really feels like every season the show gets like a, a magnitude better. I agree. Uh, I, I, I agree. I thought two was much better than one, and I think three is much better than two. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that, that we sort of run through the typical stories that you would think of in this scenario, and then mm -hmm. as you push yourself uh, to branch out, it, naturally you just you know you build and you get a little broader and a little crazier and. I think mm -hmm. that that was a that was a big part of it. That was just we we'd done a lot of our um, uh, mandatories and were able to go into the freestyle. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting to me is that as you branched into the freestyle a little bit this season, you had. Uh, I mean, the, the the X Files one is the most obvious, but I felt like there was a couple of episodes. Oh, the, the the kaiju one as well. You had like theme episodes almost, kind of like Psych used to do. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. I've, no, I've never seen Psych. I know Janet was on it. How was oh, it yeah, that yeah, they yeah. also did theme episodes? Uh, they, well, the they they did them all the time, and it would literally just be uh, we're going to take our show and then drop it into you know there was there was in the, you know, the first or second season I want to say there was a essentially a uh, uh, God 
not America's not America's Got Talent, but whatever the first one was a hundred years ago, Amer- uh, American Idol. American Idol. And uh, Tim Curry was in it, and someone was trying to murder him, and he was essentially Simon Cowell. Oh wow! Uh, okay. And and so that was the like the shtick was essentially that they were protecting one of the judges on this show oh, because I see, it was wildly popular, and he was the mean judge. There was like 125 million people with motives to kill him. Um, oh, that's funny. And yeah, so I guess you could say weird, we weird that. stuff like that. The the one I think Janet was actually in one of the oddest episodes of television I've ever seen, which is uh, in season one or two they had a, an episode where uh, I can't even remember the premise of it, but there was like a weatherman who killed somebody and 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 got caught because he did it wearing a green screen suit so he could kill somebody in plain sight, but then you know. There was a hole in the suit or something. You saw a ring or something. <laughs> oh, that's really but funny. That's really funny. Years idea. later, they decided that it – well, here's here's the weirdest thing. Years later, they decided that they, they didn't love the execution. They, like, that was a good idea. The execution wasn't great. In season eight of our show, we're going to remake one of our own episodes. No, that's a funny idea. I had no idea so they, that that show was so that, – that, I had no idea that show was so uh, adventurous. Yeah, it was an it was an odd it was and it, and it was very much a show that kind of moved into that direction gradually. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that our the first time I noticed it was when they they did one that was a John Hughes homage, uh, and uh-huh. and the the most famous one, which is when I started covering the show. Actually, uh, five seasons in, they did an episode that was a, an homage to Twin Peaks, and they had I think nine actors from Twin Peaks come and do cameos on the episode. Oh wow! Yeah, that's and, the uh, something we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we, but, and, we, but we couldn't afford any of the actors. We yeah. have nine props. I was going to say, the budget might be. <laughs> we'd have it, two original props from Twin Peaks. Yeah, we'd yeah, have a log yeah. and a coffee cup. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, one speaking to the, the theme episodes, though, uh, what, uh, what kind of drove you in that direction? Because I feel like, it, on the one hand, it's great, especially with something like the X-Files. I feel like you're going to get new eyes who wouldn't necessarily have seen the show because they're X-Files people who want to see it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I just, you know, it's, I mean, the show is very close to the X-Files. I mean, it's, um, I, I feel the, the structure of our show and, and the nature of our show is very close to the X-Files. We have standalones and we have, you know, we have Monster of the Week and we have mythology episodes. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the relationship of John and Janet is very, is very Mulder and Scully. The original, original concept of the show in my head when I pitched it was, what if instead of being partnered with Gillian Anderson, David, she was, what if instead of being partnered with David Duchovny, Gillian Anderson was partnered with my dad? But that it was still uh-huh. the show and they had to do it. Um, you know, that was the, that was the, you know, that was the part. It was like, but it's, you know, we still have to go along and finish this, solve this mystery with this character mm-hmm. that's in the middle of the show that doesn't belong there. That was what I thought was a, a, a funny idea. And that was the original concept of the show. So it's very close to the X-Files. The reason we ended up doing this episode was Valerie Tossi, who plays Agent Nesbitt, who is the Julian Anderson a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a really good friend of mine and is the biggest X-Files fan I know. Um, so I was having lunch with Jessica Conrad, who is one of our writers and is 
um, also a giant X-Files fan, and I said, you really have to meet my friend Valerie. She's as big an X-Files fan as you are, and she looks just like Gillian Anderson. And then she said, oh, we should have Mulder and Scully come to Willard's Mill as kind of a joke. And then I was like, no, actually, I think we could do that. We just we have to call them something else. And then uh, we basically just sitting there at lunch kind of beat out the episode. We kind of cracked it right there. It kind of wrote itself. And then I added Kolchak later. <laughs> my own obsession with Carl Kolchak. I, I got to say that one of uh, – as, as kind of – first of all, that that was a, a, a terrific episode. Uh, one of my uh, – oh, one of the you. things that I, uh, I had thought – might really play for our audience if you're interested in doing it down the line is uh doing a, like a, an audio commentary track for that episode essentially oh yeah i'd be yeah wow. I'd, I'd be happy to do it i uh, i know that they'll we'll be tweeting it um i actually wrote my tweets last night because at the time i will be trick-or-treating with my kids but uh yeah i i told a lot of these uh a lot of these stories i'm sure that at some point they'll we'll be doing audio tracks on them yeah um but uh the last beat the last beat of Kolchak wasn't even in the script but Rob Cohen and I thought that the the actor who played him did such a great job he looked so good um oh, yeah. that we that we decided like we got to we got to extend this we got to make this we got to <laughs> do something we got to keep we got to do this more we need to have him back and he was available so it was great nice uh, I, I do think that as broad and fun and wild as that episode was, probably my favorite joke in it was the runner of just the NHTCB. Yeah, oh, you yeah. know us? No, that's just what it would be called. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. You've heard of us? No, that's just what you'd be called. Uh, I, I don't know why, but every time, like, that, I think it's three times in the episode, and it was just like, that that's something that really appeals to my particular, <laughs> I guess, absurd sense of humor. Yeah, it's it couldn't be more stupid. That's part of it. Yeah. It's a joke. Uh, and then, you've, uh, I guess uh, one of the things you can talk about in terms of the the kaiju episode is the fact that you have uh, you have David. That's uh, David. Kechner, Yeah. Uh, yes. Thank you. I was as soon I couldn't get his last name, and then as soon as I couldn't, I was like, "Shit, did I get the wrong first name?" <laughs> um, <laughs> nope, you got it. But uh, yeah, but yeah, he's he is a great kind of recurring guest to have, and yeah, he's, he's one of those guys he's who brilliant. Oh, sorry. He's brilliant, and he he comes to play. You know, Dave Dave is game for anything. He's he's mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he's an old buddy of mine, and he. You know, it's like we're going to dress you up in a moth suit, and it's going to be 120 degrees. Okay, <laughs> he's just—he's good to go, and uh, and he just—especially this—I love watching him and Janet together. They're they're such good improvisers. They're they're mm-hmm. so talented, uh, and just watching—you know—they they they don't leave any meat on the bone. They they really jump at every ball. It's 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 a pleasure to watch. Uh, I think too one of the things that's fun is that because he is so well known as you know the guy from The Office and Anchorman and like, yeah, this character is a variation on that sort of character. But because yeah, well, of the fact Dave. that he <laughs> well, the, the thing that I, I like in, in Willard's Mill in particular is the <clears> fact <throat> that he is a loser. Whereas right. in, in the other ones he tends to be punching down, and a lot of the humor comes from the fact yeah. that he's a dumb jock. Here it's <laughs> yeah. like. Similar jokes, but he's just 
he doesn't have any ground to stand on for his grandiosity. <laughs> yeah, and I know uh, I know a lot of uh, a, a lot of ex-husbands <laughs> fit. A lot of my friends' ex-husbands fit into his category. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but that's the way it is. I know a lot of ex-husbands that just aren't jamming. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Last time we were talking in July, and I didn't want to jump into like I, I, as a reporter, it's like you see this stuff early and you want to talk about stuff, but I also didn't want to spoil the the, the cliffhanger. Right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, it's actually kind of nice that that you're rolling out two at once because uh, for like previewing the the premiere story, I can ask. Uh, was was that a thing, at, you know, the the world, the desolate world that we were left with at the end of season two? Did you ever consider trying to play in that for a little longer, or was the idea always that you turned around because by Because I just like that, that, that. You can watch that show. It's called The Walking Dead, and it's great. Huh. Um, there's no reason for us to do our shitty version of it. Um, I was inspired in this episode by the Twilight Zone episode, a game of pool. Uh, where Jack Klugman finally gets a chance to play uh, the pool shark that's been haunting him all of his life, and he and he beats him, and he realizes that he's in hell, and that you know everybody he plays he beats, and that there's no mm-hmm. challenge for him anymore. And I just thought that what a great idea that if if it's hell on earth, then all that means is that everybody is trapped in their own private hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what that became. And, you know, obviously, if I had an unlimited budget, I, I might have spent a couple of days in, in post-apocalyptic Willard's Mill. I had some ideas. I, I, I like the idea of, of Denise, uh, like, uh, in a motorcycle with a sidecar with, like, World War I goggles. <laughs> All sorts uh-huh. of, but, you know, there's just our budget limitations are, are extreme, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that just wasn't a realistic option. I'll get images. I'll like write from images. Like I had a, like a, I had an image for that episode of the character of Gerard Duquette just standing mm-hmm. in the middle of a deserted highway with a horse and mm-hmm. like with a with an old horse and wagon, uh, like a like a British like a not a Western horse and wagon, but like a like a uh, Victorian almost. Yeah, yeah, like with a Victorian horse and wagon, just standing in the middle of the freeway. Um, I didn't know what it meant, but like maybe this is. Maybe I can spin this off from that, but again, it's just like you can do that, but then you can do nothing for three more episodes. Yeah. <laughs> the budgets are so tight, which I think how you know I think, but it, this is in a situation where the budget restrictions forced me to come up with something, and I think uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with what we ended up with. Well, and I, I think from from the outside, I think that the the budget restrictions that you guys are operating with you tend to make good choices with them like uh, people it's easy it's easy to be like well we're we're a horror show so we have to spend a little bit more money on this suit and then figure it out uh, right. but because because of the tone of your show you can have the monsters that don't look 100% because right. Right, it's, it's just going to play into what else is going on with the series. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very Doctor Who. It's it's, it's very it's very yeah. it's Dark Shadows. It's Doctor Who. It's you know we we know what we're doing. We we know what it looks like. 
and uh, yeah, and it, it looks it looks good enough, but not it looks good enough, but not too good. You know, I don't mm. want any giant digital Cthulhu's. I just <laughs> I don't find them scary, and uh, I, I you know I, I don't that doesn't that's not what turns my motor. Well, uh, I like I like feeling for... like the outer. You know what? It's it's like the outer limits. Yeah. You know, there's a lot well, of outer limits. Just like, what's the monster this week? That great. Yeah. And there's I think <laughs> that because it's a man in a suit, and you can tell it's a man in a suit, that helps the humor because you know the the way that comedy works, it requires a suspension of disbelief in and of itself, and mm-hmm. it has to be the same one that you're using for the monster stuff. That's why if you ever saw mm-hmm. the movie. Evolution with David Duchovny and Orlando Jones, it didn't work because uh-huh. they went bananas with the CG, and you you knew you weren't you know you knew nothing was real, so the wisecracks had no the wisecracks weren't grounded in anything. Mm-hmm. You know? It's funny, yeah. Uh, my my wife's parents actually caught that on cable or something. I saw about twenty minutes of that movie about three weeks ago. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't think. Uh, I would, like, to me, it's like a great example of how not to do it. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it's always it, it's funny. You never want to bag on anybody, but uh, uh, I cover all the DC superhero shows on the CW. Uh huh. And uh, there's there's Supergirl takes it extreme takes itself extremely extremely seriously. And there's this other one, Legends, which is basically if Stan had money and Supergirl. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's great. Last year, their last year their climax, they had to fight this this time demon essentially, because they're time traveling superheroes. Uh-huh. And uh, l- last year their climax took place in the old west, and the five superheroes had to essentially join together into one giant thing, uh, which in the vein of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, somebody inadvertently thought of the wrong thing, and they ended up being this giant essentially Elmo doll. <laughs> and so the the climactic fight scene was them fighting this giant bat-winged demon, but they were a 12-foot blue Cuddle Me Bebo doll. That's hilarious. And it's it's just bananas. And and That's like great. because of because of the tone and and everything of that show, it's like they can they can handle uh heavy material and it doesn't feel as preachy because like it's Bebo telling you, you know. Yeah, that, no, that's <laughs> absolutely that's absolutely true. I mean, the same with Doctor Who. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you can, you know, the the, the it's a it's a tightrope, and mm-hmm. if you if you if you admit that you don't take yourself seriously, then people mm-hmm. will let you say something serious. If you take yourself serious, people tend to dismiss what you say. Once again, I'd like to thank Dana for not only speaking to me for comicbook.com, but for then giving me permission to use excerpts from that interview here at Emerald City Video. I think that the people who enjoy the show, because the people who enjoy it really enjoy it, are going to get some value out of hearing that interview. And uh, if you are hearing that and think it sounds interesting and fun, please do check it out. I think you can stream the first two seasons on both Hulu and the IFC website. And I do know that at least... 303, so next week's episode, is available on IFC's YouTube page. That is the kaiju episode that we alluded to with David Koechner from Anchorman in it. Uh, We will be back 
with a, a regularly scheduled episode of Emerald City Video very soon. So be back here by noon on the fifth day, and please always remember to rewind your cassettes. A C E N.